Thank you, Brother Gary, for leading us so beautifully in worship today. We are so thankful to God for you. Would you bow with me, please, for prayer? Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Father, we are in awe and amazement at the immensity of your love for us. A love that is so enormous that you would give your one and only son Jesus to die on the cross. That our sins might be forgiven. That he arose in triumph over death that we might have eternal life. Father, as we begin a new year of worship together in this room. We begin today by remembering Remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross and in the resurrection. And our response to that reflection is thank you. Thank you so much. And our response is also one of obedience. We love you. We adore you. We worship you. Our desire is to please and honor you individually as believers and collectively as a church. So I pray, Father, that we will sense your presence in this room as we celebrate in a few moments the Lord's Supper, as we reflect upon what happened at Calvary and at the open tomb. And I pray that our response to all of this will be gratitude and obedience both today and throughout the year of 2019. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 23 through 29 in a moment. I'll have you stand for that. Uh, today is a, a celebration of our faith. And, and as we begin, I want to say thanks to Eddie Humphrey for preaching in my absence last week. And we are so blessed to have Eddie as our childhood education minister. And the sermon was magnificent. And if you were here, I know that you were blessed. And I'm so grateful to Eddie. Today, a celebration of our faith called the Lord's Supper or communion. If you're our guest, 
We are honored by your presence. And if you're a Christ follower, you believe in Jesus, then we want you to celebrate with us. If you have not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, and I put that word yet in there because with all our hearts, we hope that you will even today. But if you have not yet chosen to be a Christ follower, then would ask you this morning to watch and listen and observe the presentation of the gospel in the hopes that you too will give your heart and life to Jesus. Now in Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 26, we read the story of the celebration of Passover on the part of Jesus and his disciples and of Jesus that night, that evening, instituting what we now call the Lord's Supper or or communion. On that night, Jesus tells of his coming betrayal. It will happen within hours at the hands of Judas Iscariot. He institutes the Lord's Supper communion, the names that we give to it. And then the scripture says they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Now we're going to read what Paul has to say about that as the Lord instructed him and spoke very clearly to him about this celebration. So as is our tradition, stand please in honor of the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. And the Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And you may be seated. These are the instructions that the Apostle Paul received from the Lord. And he retells what Jesus had stated to his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot. And so for the next few moments before we celebrate, I want us to think about the Lord's Supper. Why, when, and what? And the why is divided into two sections. First, why did they? And then secondly, why do we? So first of all, why did they? That is Jesus and his disciples. Why did they celebrate the Lord's Supper? Well, we remember they celebrate Passover because Jesus and his disciples are Jewish. And so it is their tradition and their passion and their desire to celebrate Passover. And in the midst of the Passover celebration, then Jesus institutes what we now call the Lord's Supper or or communion. And so on that night of the celebration of Passover, Jesus and his disciples, like multitudes of Jews around the world, and particularly at that moment in Jerusalem itself 
they are remembering the miracle of the exodus from Egypt. And on that night, they, they take unleavened bread. I don't know that it looked like this, but I'm holding it up so you'll see a piece of unleavened bread. You can get it at HEB, by the way. And I'm so glad for, for years you couldn't get that anywhere, but now you can. It's there. Now, unleavened bread. Remember, Pharaoh is at the 10th plague upon his people is finally going to say, you can go to the, to the, to the Jewish people, the Hebrew slaves. You can now go. But God said, bake unleavened bread because you're going to have to leave very quickly. And if you wait for the bread, if you put yeast in and wait for the bread to rise, you're not going to have any bread to take with you because you're going to need to leave quickly. And of course, we know they did leave quickly. Not only that, but then Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued them. And so they celebrated with unleavened bread and with the, the, the fruit of the vine, which was the tangible reminder of the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of their homes put there by the Jewish people. And that night, the death angel came to enact that 10th plague upon Egypt and passed over the homes of the Jewish people because the, the blood of the lamb had been painted on the doorposts. Now, we today can look and we see Jesus all over the place, don't we? But that night, remember, Jesus and his disciples are celebrating Passover, as they always did. But on this night, there is an extraordinary significance beyond the normal because Jesus is instituting what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. And in addition to that, saying, in just a little while, I'm going to be betrayed. And then following his betrayal, we know he's beaten, tortured, put on a a, a phony trial, sent to the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood for you and for me, buried in a tomb, and three days later up from the grave he arose. So Jesus and his disciples are celebrating. Now, I don't have time to delve into this, but just understand, memory, memory is central to Jewish life. Is is that right, Will? Yeah, and our, our swames, is that right? Memory is central to Jewish people. All you have to do is read the Old Testament. The feasts, the festivals, the celebrations, the altars, the stone memorials, one thing after another, because they want to remember what God has done in their lives. Translate that to today and our celebration of communion or the Lord's Supper. What are we doing? We are remembering we have something tangible that we actually partake of and it helps us to remember what Jesus has done for us. And I would submit to you as forgetful as some of us are. We need this reminder. Jesus instituted it that night. So why did they celebrate? Passover. The second thing is why do we celebrate? 
Why do we celebrate? One very simple reason. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, at the instruction of Jesus, for 2,000 years, Christ followers have been celebrating what we now call the Lord's Supper or communion. This is a tradition with a clear biblical meaning and a clear biblical institution. There are traditions that you find around Christendom, some of which stretch credulity, some of which you can't really find solid biblical support for, but not with the Lord's Supper. Solid biblical meaning and instruction, and we are to do this in remembrance of Him, and we are to do this until He comes again. So, church, today is January the 6th. If Jesus doesn't come again by April the 7th, the first Sunday in April, we will do this all over again. If He doesn't come by the first Sunday in July... We will do this all over again. The first Sunday in October, we'll do this all over again. And we as a church, whether you and I remain here for a long time, this church will be doing this until Jesus comes again and has been doing it for a long time. Now, second question, we talked about the the, the, the why. So let's talk about when. When do we? Uh, there, there's no prescribed formula in, in the Scripture, except we do this until He comes again. That's the clear guidance that we have as far as time is concerned. Do this until He comes again. Each church makes its own decision about the frequency of its celebration, just as we have. And traditionally, we celebrate four times a year, first Sunday morning of each quarter, and it's an important time. We devote the service centers on it. We don't do this as an addendum at the end of the service. The service focuses on the celebration of the Lord's Supper. It's important. Our deacons will be at the front in a few moments and they'll serve us. And then also we have a special team that comes in. They got here between 6 and 6.30 this morning to get all of this ready. So thank them for arising at that early hour and coming and making preparation for our celebration of the Lord's Supper. And First Baptist Belton, historic church founded in 1853. We are in our third location soon to become our fourth, celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're beginning our 166th year of celebrating the Lord's Supper. And there is no truth to the rumor that Larry Putman and I were there at the first one. (laughs) So we celebrate. Lastly, what do we do? Why? When? What? What do we do? What does it mean? What is it that we're doing? We're taking bread, unleavened bread. We're taking bread, 
partaking of the fruit of the vine. And all of that serves, represents, is a reminder of the body and the blood of Jesus. So here is what we do. And I'm not talking about taking the wafer and putting your mouth or taking a drink of the fruit of the vine. Here's what I'm talking about we do as we celebrate. This is important. So get this. The first thing that we do is remember. We remember. We remember. We remember what Jesus did. We remember the cross. We remember His blood. We remember His agony. We remember the forgiveness that is ours because of His blood shed on the cross. And we remember the eternal life that is ours because He arose from the grave. We remember all that this morning. We carry pictures in, in our phones and you got pictures all over the place of people and things, events that you want to remember. That's why we take pictures. Why else would you take a picture? I take a picture because I want to remember this person or remember something that this signifies. So I take a picture. We have a picture. And the picture reminds us we remember what Jesus did for us. We have memorials. You have monuments. And our nation has a memorial day. And we have memorials all over the country that help us remember people or events that happened in our nation's history. And so today, this is a memorial because we are remembering what Jesus did. When the Jews celebrate Passover, they are remembering. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are remembering. If you're bored and you don't really care, then... This is what you make it. It won't have much personal application to you. But if you remember, and I believe with all my heart, all of us are, if you remember, then how could this not be special? No matter how many times you've done it. No matter how many times you've heard words like what I'm saying this morning or some other pastor said, how could this not be special? Because we are remembering what Jesus did. Now, here's here's the second part of the what. We remember and secondly, we respond. We respond. I'm not sure that remembering is complete unless there's a response. So we respond. We respond to remembering. And the response is, what are the two words that you teach your children to say? Thank you. Our response is, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you. I am filled with gratitude because of what you have done. Thank you. That's our, our response that from the part of the believer ought to be a reflexive response, but not a rote response, a response that each time is filled with meaning. And then what else is it that we do? We remember, we respond, we're fellowshipping. We're fellowshipping. Do you Do you ever stop and think about the sweetness of the fellowship of the body of believers called the church? 
it breaks my heart to hear someone say, I don't like the church. They did me wrong back. I had a bad experience. And I know those things happen. All of us have been, had our moments. Um, It breaks my heart that someone chooses to walk away. I don't, I guess if I wanted to sit down and, and, uh, think about what somebody said to me five years ago after a lousy sermon, um, I, I guess I could sit down and pout and suck my thumb. But I choose not to do that. What I remember when I think of you, I think of the sweetness of the fellowship. I love it. I, I don't, I don't ever want to know what it's like to try to survive without it. No way. I love the sweetness of the church. So when we're doing this thing called the Lord's Supper, we're, we're fellowshipping together. We're celebrating. We're celebrating together. You know, I went to the national championship game, go crew. I was so, that was one of the great nights in, in American history. I know it's going to be in the history books. Did you see all those people that came from Texas, all over Texas, that game? There were people around me I'd never seen in all my life, but they were decked out in purple and they were part of the family. And you, what did we do? We went nuts. High five, high fiving people I'd never seen in all my life, just high fiving them and shouting with them, hugging people I'd never seen in all my life. What am I hugging people I don't know for? Well, because we're celebrating. We're celebrating. Now, I'm not taking that and suggesting that all of a sudden we begin to walk around the pews and do high fives and hug one another. Although, quite frankly, it's probably not a bad idea to do that once in a while. What I am saying is there is a sweetness to this fellowship. You should look around the room. Look at what you share. You may be male or female. You may be short or tall. You may be young or old. You may be rich or poor. You may be uh, wear clothes from Nordstrom's or clothes from Walmart. Doesn't matter. We're all together. Sweetness of the fellowship. And it's never any sweeter than it is when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, what else is there? We examine ourselves. Verse 28. We examine our hearts. We'll be quiet in a minute. We're passing the, the, the bread and the juice. So we're quiet. Music playing softly. It's not a moment to look around and think about lunch. Or what's he wearing today or what's she wearing. Or, well, I hadn't seen him in a long time. No, it's a moment to examine our hearts. And is there any unconfessed sin? If there is, it's time to confess it. What's my attitude? Am I, am I coming humbly today or am I coming arrogantly today? Listen and obey what the Holy Spirit says. And then two more things and, and we're done. What, what else is it that we do? We look. Look at what? We look forward to what? He's coming again. Warren got us off to a great start thinking about that this morning. Jesus is coming again. So we're looking, we're looking forward to the future, to the return of Christ. And we join our voices with the saints of the ages saying, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lastly, we proclaim. Verse 26, we proclaim his death until he comes. So what you're saying this morning 
is I am a follower of Christ. I am a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I belong to Him. And I declare that publicly by my celebration of the Lord's Supper. Roland Allen was um, a great missionary to China. Um, When I was in seminary, we studied a couple of Roland Allen's books in missions class. So I'll let you know how long ago he wrote. Roland Allen, in preaching once in America, was approached by a man who introduced himself and said, for years I was a missionary doctor in India. And in India, with the way things were, and and I I know still are, um, many people would progressively lose their sight. And the doctor said, I was able to to devise a surgery which I could do on them and help them regain their sight. And and so I read that story, and I knew it was true because Roland Allen told it, but I, I didn't fully comprehend the whole thing. So I called Dr. Todd Gordon, my ophthalmologist. He and Debbie are faithful, godly people, faithful members of our church. And I said, Todd, let me tell you this story and tell me what you think, what was going on? So he listened very carefully. He said, well, most likely uh, they were dealing with cataracts, a progressive loss of vision. And in third world countries, they don't have the instruments we have. They don't have all the advantages we have. I mean, to, to cataract surgery today, pretty routine and pretty easy. I mean, if it's happening to somebody else, it's pretty, pretty easy, relatively easy. But, but Dr. Gordon said a, a very good surgeon, even without the finest of equipment, can probably improvise a way to help someone with cataracts in a third world setting like India. And he said, that's my guess as to what this doctor meant when he said he devised a way to help people regain their sight. I said, good, that's what I needed to hear. Now, the point of the story is that this missionary doctor said after two or three days, the healing process and the people were able to see again, they would they would come to me. He said in their dialect, the words thank you did not exist. So what they would say to me is, I will tell your name. So wherever they went, they would say, something wonderful has happened to me. I've regained my sight. And they would tell the name of the doctor who performed the surgery. Now, do you see the tie-in to what we're doing today? Something absolutely incredible has happened to you and to me. Jesus came. He died on the cross. Our sins are forgiven. We have the gift of eternal life. Something absolutely marvelous has happened to us and in us. And so we want to proclaim His name. And that we do as we celebrate this morning. Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Before we celebrate, we have a a time of invitation because it's the conviction of our heart that there's someone in this room who needs Jesus. And if that person is you, then I invite you to come when we stand, place your hand in mine, and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff, 
or one of our lay persons will be here to open God's Word to pray with you that you might come into a personal saving relationship with Jesus this morning. For those of us who made that decision, whether we made it a week ago or 40 years ago, can there be rejoicing in our hearts and then reflection as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper? Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Draw someone to yourself this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing.